Puck at the side of the net, saved by Brossois, but the rebound gets through. Nito Niederreiter did not give up on the play. Carolina takes a 1-0 lead. In front of the Carolina bench, a steal for the Hurricanes. They work in, two on one, feed to the right, score! Perfectly placed pass and the finish at the right side of the net for Vincent Trocek. 2-0 Hurricanes. From the draw, shot on goal, tipped in by somebody in front. Tony D'Angelo shot it. And a power play goal just five seconds into the man advantage. Sebastian Ajo around the net mouth got a piece, tips it inside the right post. To one, Carolina. Theodore throws a punch. They're all into it back behind the goal. Anderson is in on the play. The goaltender has Theodore in a headlock. And there's another skirmish. Several players are locked up. Ajo and Marcheseau tangling as well. Linesmen start to pull it apart. Petrangelo floats it left, could not get it to Carrier. It's a steal. Svechnikov put it out in front. Score! Sebastian Ajo wins it for Carolina with a minute 11 left in overtime. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Uh, an update. Raiders update. We'll get more into this with Sam and Ash at 9.15. But Josh Dubow tweeted out that Raiders cornerback Nate Hobbs pled guilty to a reduced charge of misdemeanor traffic uh, stemming from his arrest of suspicion of DUI. The district attorney says his blood alcohol limit was below the legal limit, so he will pay a $685 fine, complete a victim impact panel, and complete 20 hours of community service. Okay. Uh, Nate Hobbs, if you recall was found asleep in his car in a parking garage in the driver's seat, and he failed a field sobriety test mm -hmm. and was arrested under suspicion of DUI. They're apparently saying it's not DUI because his blood alcohol limit was below the legal limit. Okay. Uh, so we can get more into that with uh, okay. Sam and Ash here in a few minutes. On the Golden Knights, though, Kelly McCrimmon talked to Pierre Lebrun about Jack Eichel. Said a few interesting things. First off, we've been reluctant to circle a date on the calendar because we're in uncharted waters, right? I've said at different times that Jack is going to look more ready to play than he probably is, and we are we need to make sure we handle this correctly so that he comes back and is able to have a safe, healthy, productive finish to the season. But I sure feel he'll get in a significant number of regular season games. What is a significant number? Before the playoffs? Yeah, regular season games. 10 to 15. I was thinking over 20. Okay. Because if he plays in 10 games, I think we're talking about, well, he's new to the team. Like, I think we're still having that conversation. 20 games, that's about a month, a little more than a month worth of playing time. I think 20 is a significant number if he comes back. Um, so we'll see if he does get a significant number of regular season games or not. The other part of that quote that I very much enjoyed, Kelly McCrimmon said, we've been reluctant to circle a date on the calendar because we're in uncharted waters. As if the Golden Knights circled dates on the calendar when guys have routine injuries and are coming back. They're even, they've even got <laughs> broadcasters last night saying on the horizon. On the horizon. Even, not the, it's, it's even moved over to the broadcasters <laughs> who are saying that... Uh, that uh, 
I forget who it was. It Pacioretty been, or it might have been Pacioretty. Alec Martinez. Yeah, it was one of the two. That one of them was on the horizon. I'm like, well, I hope they're. I think they're on the trip. <laughs> they're not only on the horizon. They're I think they're on the trip. The horizon. How, how close is the horizon? <laughs> I just love the idea that he's like, listen. We'd give you an exact date if this was a normal yeah, surgery, right. but because this is come a new on. surgery for hockey, we don't know when he's going to come back. Guys probably have, guys have routine injuries all the time for the Golden Knights, and they're uh, like, ah, lower body. We can't we say don't anything. Know. We don't know. This could be season ending. It could be back tomorrow. You'll just have to find out when we play the games. Like, come on, Kelly. Um, another thing he said that I find interesting. What Jack brings to the table is exactly what we felt our team needed. That's why we were aggressive, and that's why we paid the price that we paid. It was the exact type of player that we wanted to add. Do you remember in the offseason when Kelly McCrimmon said they didn't need any centers? Yes. Because in the offseason. everyone else was saying they needed centers. In the offseason, Jack Eichel to the Golden Knights was a rumor or possibility, right? right? And Kelly McCrimmon, when asked about it, was like, nope, we're good at center. And now they trade for Jack Eichel, and he's like, that's what we needed. We needed a better center than William Carlson and Chandler Stevenson. I find that funny. I don't think it's that uncommon for a GM to kind of. Everyone was saying they needed center. Right. To kind of lie about it. Yeah. But he was definitely lying about it at the time. That He was like, yeah, we're good at center. And then shortly afterwards, no. no, We're going to go get the best center. We need to go get a better center. We need to go get somebody better than William Carlson. So the Jack Eichel scenario. What's fascinating? The trade deadline is not until March 21st. We have two more months before the trade deadline. Now, for the Golden Knights, the situation they're in is that if they find themselves fully healthy, which is obviously a big if because that has not happened, but if they find themselves fully healthy or at least all the high-dollar players are fully healthy, right? If you know a guy making a million dollars is hurt, that won't have as big of an impact on the salary cap. But if they find themselves fully healthy, at any point here in the next couple of months, they're going to have to trade somebody for them to be salary Or there will be an injury. Compliant. Right. And they'll be put on LTIR. So, Max Pacioretty and Alec Martinez, those are both you know pretty high-dollar guys, Pacioretty especially. They're expected to be back soon, right? Once those two guys are back, the only high-dollar player that's not healthy and able to play is Jack Eichel. Right. And again, somebody else could get hurt between then and when Jack Eichel is ready. <laughs> or not but, even. But if they are able to stay somewhat healthy, right, between Patch Ready and Martinez coming back and when Eichel's ready to go, they're going to have to make a trade. Somebody's going to have to be gone off this roster for them to be salary cap compliant. So we've talked about this a little bit, usually with guests, but who do you makes the most sense to trade off this team? Because you've got a couple different – you've got – the upcoming free agents, right? Riley well, yeah, Smith, Riley Smith is Braden expiring, McNair, right? Expiring. Guys that are free agents that you can look at and say, listen, we're going to lose them in the offseason for nothing. We could trade them at the deadline. Granted, you might not get a whole lot because you're not trading from a great uh, point of leverage, but you get a fourth round pick is better than him walking as a free agent. Or there have been some underperforming players. William Carlson. Shea Theodore did has been better recently, but Shea Theodore has not had a great season. There have been some underperforming players that are making over $5 million that you could look to trade as well or anyone else, like I was yelling about earlier in Laurent Brassois. That's why I asked Ben Goetz about uh, William Carlson because he is absolutely, to me, underperformed. Now he's a center. So does that mean anything to you coming back? Uh, especially if he's, well, if he gets bumped down to the third line? 
William Carlson. Okay. Here's the here's the argument I think for trading William Carlson. Number one, he hasn't been he as hasn't good been this very year good. as he has been. He's in missed the past. games, but he still right. hasn't been what he was. But number two, he plays the same position as Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. So conceivably, you're going to replace William Carlson with Jack Eichel. With the lines player. Might, the lines might be different, or whatever right. you do with the lines. But well, seeing the lines the last few nights, yeah, who, I mean, knows? who knows? But that. If you're if you're making a trade to add Jack Eichel, it you can make the argument it makes more sense if you have to get rid of a guy to do it at the same exact position that Jack Eichel plays. And you look at the Golden Knights, would anybody feel terrible about the center depth if they went into the playoffs with Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, Stevenson Nick, Nick Waugh, Nolan Patrick? No. Obviously, an injury, you're an injury away from like Keegan Colasar playing center or something like that, but that's a, I think most people would feel pretty happy about those being the four centers going into the playoffs. Obviously, you'd feel better if William Carlson was in there as well, but somebody's got to go. That's the argument for moving William Carlson because if you were to move like a Shea Theodore, right, who would probably get you, you'd probably get something in return. Yeah. Like that's the other part of trading Carlson or Theodore, right? If you trade Smith or McNabb, you're getting a draft pick back, and it's not going to yeah, be a great draft Yeah, they're expiring guys. Pick. Right. You're yeah. trading away a rental. Yeah. You're getting a draft pick back. You're not trading from a great point of leverage. No. But if you trade Theodore, Theodore's under contract for three more seasons and after actually, this it's one. a really good contract. Yeah, at $5.2 million. Yeah, you're not him. breaking the bank. William Carlson is under contract for, like, seems like eight more seasons or something like that at 5.9. Right. Like, those are reasonable salaries for guys that are – Carlson is 29, Theodore is 26, so still youngish, Right. You can get something back for those guys. Like you presumably are getting at least a first round pick back if you trade one of those guys. So that's the other argument for why you trade those guys. But to me, the trade has to be what makes this team or puts this team in the best spot to win the Stanley Cup. I don't think you make a trade at the deadline and think about the future at all. I think it's got to be this year right now. Who helps you win the Stanley Cup? And if you decide Riley Smith is very important to this team winning the Stanley Cup, I think you have to keep Riley Smith because, sure, he's gonna he might walk in the offseason and you, you lose him for it nothing. It doesn't matter if you win the Cup. But you're trying, your window is now. No. Yeah. Now to win the Stanley Cup. And if that means you got to take a loss because Riley Smith walks as a free agent in the offseason, then you, you do win it. the Cup. None of that matters. Right. So that's why to go back to what we talked about earlier. Laurent Brassois does not help you win the Stanley Cup right now. He should be a part of this equation to move guys out. And if it's if you do some weird combo of, hey, Laurent Brassois is gone and Matthias Janmark's gone, and like you're just if you're just piecing together random people to get up to that 10 million you've got to find for Jack Eichel or whatever the number ends up being, that to me is what makes more sense. Brassois, Janmark, McNabb makes 2.5. I don't know. I think you want McNabb though. I think you help. I think he helps you win the Stanley cup this year. So that might not be the answer, but like will carry, makes 1.4. Nolan Patrick makes 1.2. See you to both of them. Like you're hurting your depth a lot if you do right. that. But I think that makes a lot more sense than Carlson, Theodore, Riley Smith or whatever. I, that's what okay. I, I would be trying to piecemeal it together with guys that are like, eh, to get up to the 10 million. Right. Like he helps, but we don't need Brassois. We don't need Janmark. I mean, Brassois, I think, different from others because he's a backup goalie, but you're right. I mean, and they've had injuries all year and they've had COVID all year. Boy, you could get into a series, you know, with Colorado or someone and you lose one or two guys. That could really, yeah, that could really do you in. But 
I do agree with you 100% that there's nothing that they should have on their minds, and and not just this year, the last few years. Nothing should have been on their minds the last few years except winning the Stanley right. Cup. And I and I think not just they've done year. that for the most part. Yes. I think almost every move they've made has been, we're going to win the next Stanley Cup that's awarded, right. is generally what their trades are. So I, yeah, I don't think you can fault them for that. You can, I don't know, if you care about them being nice to the organization or the players or the fans, you can fault them a little bit for being too cold-blooded, but... As far as putting a roster together to win the Stanley Cup, I think every move they've made has been with that in mind. They've obviously missed on some things, right? Tomas Tatar didn't work out. Like, they've missed on stuff, but every move they've made has been, this is going to help us. There's been logic behind it. This is going to help us win, win the, Stanley the Cup. next Stanley right. Cup. Not, we're going to try to hopefully prolong our window Not for three five and years. six. Right. It's, that went out the window the first yes, year. It is win the next Stanley Cup. Coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. Four to three. Guys, guys, did you know that I actually have a civil case against that that stole my husband? Don't sue a stripper. Why not? She's a stripper. Life sued her, and she lost. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Hello, Ash. Hi, Ash. No How Sam are you? today? Uh, it's me. It's just me. Oh, man. It's better when it's just you, I think. I think so, too. But <laughs> we won't tell Sam. <laughs> no, don't tell him that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we talked last week about the lawsuit that John Gruden has against the NFL, and the NFL is hoping or expecting or trying to get it dismissed or go into arbitration. Uh, mm-hmm. Since then, there were a couple more details from that that I thought were interesting. One of them was that the NFL said that John Gruden sent his uh, derogatory emails. They got sent to six different people, that it wasn't just sent to Bruce Allen, who was working for the Washington football team at the time. And my when I saw that, my first thought was the NFL put that detail out there because they're trying to, I guess, make it possible that other people might have leaked these emails. Oh, that, you know, that's interesting. Uh, no, I think the NFL is just trying to scare Gruden into saying, look, what the public saw is just a fraction of what you've actually done. So right now, the the NFL and Gruden, they're basically fighting a public fight through these pleadings and these file, these court filings. And so they're just saying enough to make people dislike the other side uh, enough to, you know, maybe sway them one way or another. Okay. But that could be. The NFL could be trying to say that. But to me, it's just trying to say, look, Gruden, you, you wrote some really offensive emails, and the Washington football team wasn't the only recipient of those. The other interesting detail from the uh, the Athletic had a report on this was mm-hmm. that the NFL argued that Roger Goodell was going to fire John Gruden for these emails anyway. Uh, John Gruden ultimately resigned from his position I, I don't know if you know the answer to this because I don't know if this is actually a legal question. Can can the commissioner of a sports league fire a franchise's head coach? You know, I don't know the answer of that, but I would imagine they can through some type of process in their uh, bylaws. Absolutely. I mean, remember we watched uh, Donald Sterling of the NBA as an owner of a team. He has property rights in a team. The NBA came in and totally ousted him through the bylaws and they went through the process to get him completely removed as the owner and banned from all NBA 
activities. So I would imagine the NFL has the ability, if there is something that is to a detriment to the entire league, uh, that the commissioner can invoke some power and fire a coach or any person involved in the league. I'm going to stay with the Raiders here because why not? Uh, They they tend (laughs) to be our uh, weekly segments. So update from AP. Nate Hobbs has pled guilty to a reduced misdemeanor traffic charge stemming from an arrest on suspicion of DUI. DA said blood alcohol was below the limit. He got a fine, some commuter service. Uh, This is normal, I'd assume, once they they, uh, determine he was, even though he failed the sobriety test, the field test, once they test the blood, it it gets a lot less. And he just, the easy thing is just say plead guilty and you'll get some community service. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, if no one's hurt, thankfully, uh, either the facts are pretty clear cut and it's his first time offense with this. There's the the way that both sides really want to work through it is they want to plead it down uh, to as small of a charge as possible. And yeah, he'll do community service and a lot of other things. But uh, this is just one ex- an, another example of bad behavior by the Raiders in town, unfortunately. So. Wait. Similar situation had happened with Josh Jacobs, where he was in a single car accident. Uh, he got a DUI charge, but it ended up being a lesser charge because his blood alcohol limit was less than the legal limit. Um, is this just a matter of they're not doing the breathalyzer at the scene, like they're refusing, and then when they do it later, their blood alcohol has dropped below the legal limit? No, 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 because uh, the, everyone always thinks that. Just buy yourself time. Uh, actually, there's, a, there's science there that can do the math on the how your body would metabolize alcohol, and so they're able to basically say it was three hours from the accident and you blew the, like 0.5 or 0.05, and as a result of all these mathematical equations on how the body would process alcohol over time, you were at the time of the accident likely with in this range, which exceeds the legal limit. So, no, it's really not that. Okay. Uh, I had one other thing on Nate Hobbs. He was going 110 and a 65 on the 215. When? Uh, Gosh. Faster than me. So not at 5 uh, o'clock in the, in the evening. Thank goodness. Um, it, when does it become more than a speeding ticket? When does it become reckless? When does it become like, okay, it's 100 or 120? You didn't, you didn't hurt anyone. You didn't crash, but we clocked you at that. Like, is there a certain standard to where this becomes more than, well, we're just going to give you a speeding ticket because you were like 50 miles over? Yeah, it's usually, I, I forget what the actual uh, cutoff is, but this is absolutely an example of reckless endangerment, reckless driving. Uh, if you're going, I think it's usually a 20 over the speed limit, you will get cited for that. So, oh. uh, it yeah. Be careful. And you said that oh in a very uh oh. No, 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 no. I have been accused by my children of driving too slow. I was going to say, I I would never have pegged Ed as a a speedy driver. I would have pegged it as slow. I go through my neighborhood because I worry about my kids because it's posted 15, and there's kids in the neighborhood. I always yell as they're leaving the house, kids on bikes, and they hate it because I said, hey, there's kids on bikes. you got to be careful. So I slow down to 10, and it drives them crazy if they're in the car with them. They're like, oh, my God, dude. Just get up to 15. I'm like, no, kids on bikes. Uh, Ash, does that 20 mile an hour range, does that work the opposite way? Like if you were going like 30 on the 215? Sure. You know, it's I, like I'm just saying it's a range. It's the way the laws usually work on this is it just shows a like a dis, total disregard for the safety of those around you. And so if you're going too fast for conditions, 
to a point where anyone would say, look, that that's a total disregard for pedestrians or other cars on the roadway, et cetera. Uh, but the same would go for being too slow. I don't know how many times we've dealt with in our practice of cars that are disabled or going like crawling on the freeway and they don't have their hazard lights and someone can't see them because of the, the lighting at the time of day and they plow right into them. So mm-hmm. absolutely going too slow is just as dangerous a lot of times. Uh, one other follow-up on the, the non-DUIs here. What's the point of a field sobriety test if we do the blood alcohol test later? That's a great question. It's uh, <laughs> just more evidence, okay. honestly. I tell everyone, uh, don't do a field sobriety test. It is all subjective. You're giving an officer a chance to say and put his opinion on what he saw, on how you wobbled or how you spoke and how your eyes tracked. And there's no, it's not an objective standard. So just if you're pulled over on suspicion of DUI, regardless of how uh, how you think you will perform, like don't be too cocky. Just submit to the blood the blood tests you know they they're pretty accurate they don't lie and uh but the the field sobriety tests are subjective so don't let yourself up to that this is one i've always been interested in uh i don't know if, if you watch this the chiefs as some lunatic uh you know decided to streak at a very important time in the game <laughs> I saw and this. and you know they pull away the cameras because the whole thing is we don't show that stuff um but stefan diggs of the bills apparently laid the guy out i've always been fascinated by this you enter a you enter a part of a, a part of a venue that you should not be on you're i don't know I, streaking is i'm assuming illegal at some level you can correct me <laughs> if i'm wrong and you interrupt a game and a and a player um lays you out now can can Diggs get into the trouble of that or can he say hey we don't know what this guy might have we remember monica sellis there could yep. be he could have a weapon. I'm putting him down. But I was always fascinated is let's say he just lays this guy out and this guy gets seriously hurt. Could he then come back and sue Diggs? Look, it, it, that's a great question. It would be very difficult. There's assumption of the risk. And within those situations, the I don't, Stefan Diggs should have let security handle it, but mm-hmm. I get where he's coming from. You never know. And so right. why wait? Um, so that would be really hard. Now, if the example is if Stefan Diggs or security were to tackle this guy and then proceed to just pummel him and just continue to like (laughs) throw haymakers on the guy okay now he might have a case he's like okay i get it tackle me fine but just to like start wailing on me for the next 30 seconds that's excessive and you didn't have a right to do that then he would have a case of excessive use of force but here uh i think what stefan diggs and security did was totally within reason to to ensure the safety of everyone in the stadium and the players Okay, but would he be able to sue because a Bills tackle (laughs) threw his shoe really far away and he may not get his shoes back? So can he sue and be like, all right, I at least want my shoes reimbursed? Sure, maybe, I guess. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm uh, like, you you assume the risk of being tackled, but you don't assume the risk of, oh, whoa, wait, you're going to take my shoes? They took, I so I didn't hear this part of the story. They took his shoes or he lost no, he it? Got, he, he didn't got, tie his shoelaces? He got de-cleated. Yeah, he lost his <laughs> shoes. And one got thrown just away to the sideline. The other one was like, almost was returned to him as he was leaving the field. But yeah, he I lost bet the other one. Well, I bet the other one got to him while he was sitting in the little holding cell in Arrowhead Stadium. I'm sure <laughs> that that shoe was reunited. But yeah, I mean, I think they would they would get the shoe back to him without the need of a lawsuit. And frankly, I doubt the shoe is worth uh, any type of legal filing. Quickly, what's the punishment? 
Because I'm sure there's drunk tanks. I'm sure there's people who are detained. Uh, I mean, what is is there a different punishment for, hey, I'm really drunk, they're going to put me in the drunk tank, or, hey, I ran onto the field? Oh, you know, that's a great question. Uh, so he will likely face, you know, I think there's potentially some jail time of up to six months, or, but a fine of $500. I highly doubt if this is this kid's first offense that he gets any jail time, it's likely going to be just a fine. But you know what? He could be banned from all future NFL events. He could find himself banned from the stadium for all events. And so that, I, to me, I think that's the, the harsher punishment of it all. Side note on that: How do they enforce banning individuals from attending sporting events? I, you got to ask Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports because <laughs> that guy—he's uh, been. Ba- I mean, I think they just—they have an idea. Everyone knows the face, and if I would suspect it would be really hard for any Joe Blow to like be actually banned from a stadium, but they'd probably not sell him tickets. I mean, if he tried to sell it, buy a ticket, they'd probably get flagged or something like that. I have no idea how they would enforce it, but that's, I think, upon a punishment that the more famous and well-known you are, it's more difficult for them to enforce. Well, she is Ash. Or easier for, it's easier for yes, them to yes. enforce. Uh, she's Ash. It's SamandAshLaw.com. <laughs> 702-820-1234. Ash is always we appreciate Thanks, it Ash. oh love you guys appreciate talk to you it. next week take care yeah uh i i've always wondered that about Diggs. like i've always wondered like let's say he put this guy out and there was major damage to him but she makes a good point about assuming the risk if you're going to do that you assume that you could be hurt right. by one of these guys yeah i i imagine her points what would stand up there like if if stefan Diggs just tackled the guy and walked away and it whatever broke his shoulder or something like that Sorry, dude. Don't run on the field. But if Stefan Diggs had tackled him, started punching him in the head, beat his face in, then you might be like, all right, calm down, Stefan Diggs. (laughs) Like, you might be in some trouble here. Get him a shoe back. I also have to imagine Stefan Diggs' teammates would have pulled him off after, like, punch number two to the face while that guy's laying on the ground. Hey, 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 hey. Calm down. Stefan Diggs, we need you to go score a touchdown. Don't hurt your hands. Don't hurt your hands. We need you to score a touchdown with less than 13 seconds left. That's the key here. Coming up next, Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. How was the game? Not very good. Have you ever seen a good hockey game? No. Me neither. I love sports. I just can't get next to hockey. Bischoff's Briefs. See, I think Americans like to savor situations. One down, bottom of the ninth. One run game, first and third. Left-handed batter, right-hand reliever. Infield, a double play depth. Here's the pitch. Bischoff's Briefs. What's going in hockey? It seems to come out of nowhere. The play-by-play guy is always shocked. Le Petier passes to Huckenshuck, who skates past the blue line. Huckenshuck, of course, was traded from Winnipeg for a case of Labatt's after sitting out last season with, oh my God, he scores! Bischoff's Briefs. Are we getting ahead of ourselves if we talk about the NFL draft for the Raiders before they have a GM or a head coach? Yeah. Okay, the Raiders are picking 20 seconds. I I can't say yes because the entire Bishop's Briefs is about this. (laughs) (laughs) No, pick something else. Do do something else. (laughs) So they're going to pick 20 seconds in the draft. It's going to be great. Uh, That final four-game win streak really hurt their draft status. They could be picking much, much higher if they had just missed the playoffs altogether and gone 0-4 the rest of the way. Um, Let me ask you this. What do you think their biggest needs are? Uh, number one receiver, offensive line depth at corner, depth at corner, depth at corner. Okay, offensive line I think is is the biggest need on this team. I didn't put those in order. I think offensive right. line is those, wide those receivers there as well. 
defensively, what do they need? They're not exact. They don't have like great players defensively, but they don't have massive holes everywhere. Like, well, corners probably there because Casey Hayward's on a one-year deal. Yeah, he can. He can. He can. Is leave. he coming back? Probably not. Right. So yeah, corner. If we're picking one position defensively, probably corner. Like you've got Crosby and Gakwe under contract, so defensive end wise. You're yeah, fine. Perryman. Yeah, was per- I thought Perryman was on a was one he year one year deal. deal? I thought he was. I'll have to double check yeah. that. But even though the defense needs some help, I do think the number one concern is offensive line. Mm-hmm. So if we positionally O line, wide receiver, cornerback are probably the three positions. Good news for the Raiders; those are three of the more high value positions that you should take in the first round. Right? Like you shouldn't take running backs in the first round. You shouldn't take offensive guards in the first round. You shouldn't take really, you shouldn't really take linebackers in the first round unless they are transcendent, right? Mr. Michael Parsons, right? Defensive linemen. You should offensive linemen. You should, you will tackles. You should like, don't take a center in the first round, right? Wide receivers. You should corners. You should. Those are some of the high value positions. So that's good news for the Raiders. Uh, Pro football focus has a mock draft up and the Raiders with their first round pick at number 22, Chris, Olave, wide receiver out of Ohio, Ohio State, State, which would make some sense. Now, how confident would you be if they simply drafted Olave or any wide receiver at 22 overall and said, that's our number one receiver, Hunter Renfro's in the slot, Darren Waller's at tight end. Like, how confident are you that drafting a rookie at 22 is going to be your number one receiver? I mean, I'd have to go to practice to see if he's fast. <laughs> I went to practice, did my evaluations, my uh, deep dive evaluations, and the guy was out running everyone. I'd be like, I like that guy. I'd call you in, and I'd say, hey, he's fast. He's good. It's a, it's fascinating. I mean, more so than you're saying sign somebody? Right, because that's the that's the other decision you make there. Correct. But, but it's fascinating with rookie wide receivers because you can hit on Jamar Chase. You can hit on Justin Jefferson. Yep. And you can have a guy who is very clearly season one, Wide receiver one, right? And that, and if that's what they did, whoever they, if they took a wide receiver at twenty-two and that guy came and he was in, that good, then it's a great pick. Then that's absolutely what they should do. But you also have Jerry Judy's, who probably is more about the quarterback play than Jerry Judy himself, right? You have Henry Rux, who's not very good in his first year. You have plenty of first-round wide receivers who are just kind of guys who mm-hmm. just, yeah, they're okay. They'll get, they'll make some plays for you, but you're really in the same position you are this season. If you draft a wide receiver and it's just some guy there. So that's a fascinating thing where you're honestly making the decision. What's a, what's better to give us a number one wide receiver. Do we pay a bunch? Cause that's the other thing you've got to, if you're doing a free agency, you got to pay a lot of money to a guy. Yes. Like if Devonte Adams does hit free agency. Oh, you're paying him. The guy's making a ton yeah. of money, Take making a fortune. And that's can d- diminish the value of having the number one wide receiver. If you've got to pay Devonte Adams, what what's he going to get 25, 30 yep. million or something like that as a, as the top wide receiver. So that's the question. The other part is offensive line. Where is the hole exactly? There's like four of them, but I like, think, I think there's a hole at right tackle. So you'd be drafting a guy to be your right tackle yeah. more than likely. Like Absolutely. Colton Miller's your left tackle. And you're, you're after taking Alex Leatherwood, you're drafting you're another inside, guy. You're, you're trying to, to be to get right, tackle. right tackle. Okay. So you're drafting a guy just like you did last year with Alex Leatherwood saying, this is going to be our right tackle. Right. Conceivably, you draft guess somebody that's on high on the draft board, not low on the draft board, and it works out there. Cornerback-wise would be interesting because if they drafted a corner 
your secondary, assuming they draft the guy and start him, your secondary would be Trayvon Mullen, who would be going into what his third, third year, year, but has been hurt quite a bit, yeah. so hasn't played a lot. Nate Hobbs is the slot corner, who'd be going into his second year. Uh, Trayvon, Trayvon Merrick going free safety year. going into second year. And a rookie. Jonathan Abram at strong safety, oh, okay. assuming they, don't, they might replace him too. And then a rookie at the other, like your five if primary defensive backs. On. Right, if Hayward doesn't get re-signed. Your five primary defensive backs, that's a really young defensive right. backfield. Now, Hobbs was really good this year, right? Merrick was solid. Wasn't like a super free safety or anything, but was a solid free safety. Mullen has been I thought he got better, but he played. just can't stay on the field. Right, so it's, I think the expectation is he'll be a fine NFL corner, but... He could suck or could be awesome, but you're going with a really young secondary. Does, would that scare you at all if they went in there and it's like Jonathan Abram sure. is the most experienced member of this secondary? It would scare me if you tell me Jonathan <laughs> Abram is the best at anything. <laughs> Never mind being the most experienced person in the secondary. <laughs> so the Raiders draft pick, I think those are the main three positions. Obviously, free agency can change that. If, you know, if they were to sign Devontae Adams, you're obviously not then drafting a wide receiver in the first round, presumably. So those, I think, are the main three positions that you'll be looking at the Raiders drafting, which also means they'll take a tight end in the first round. Yes, from Clemson. <laughs> who was tight? Who, who a blocking tight end. Tight end. A blocking yes. tight end from Clemson. Uh, the only guy will be happy would be Hunter Renfro. Hey, yeah. I remember him. I remember Jimmy was a redshirt freshman when I was there. We got more Clemson players than we had at Clemson. What's going on here? By the way, on that pro football focus mock draft, the first quarterback taken, Sam Howell, nine overall to the Denver Broncos. You think the Broncos are going to draft a quarterback? Uh, I do. I don't think, I don't think, well. Can you tell me? Can you tell me if Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback? Right. Okay. So I mean, <laughs> obviously, like the Broncos and some other teams, you're going to chase after Rodgers, or if Russell Wilson becomes available, or if Deshaun Watson's legal issues get cleared up or settled, whatever they end up doing there. Like, there's some big name guys to chase after. The reason I ask, like, because Denver's one of the teams. Like Washington is one. New Orleans is a possibility, right? There's some teams that that are going to want to draft quarterbacks. But it's considered a weak class. Like, would you really like want to draft a quarterback that you're not convinced in? And then the next year you might be like, this guy's not very good, but you might be committed to him for three years. What happened, by the way, to your Mississippi kid that got hurt? Because uh, I think he's still projected as a first round pick. Yes, in this mock, eleven overall to Washington. Because oh, he got hurt in the game and I I right. felt horrible because I'm like, oh my god, I hope that doesn't hurt his draft stock. Right. He, the kid actually showed up and played in that game. Yeah. So he's still, yeah, projected as a first round okay. pick here. And he could Good. go number like Denver could be the first team to take quarterback and right. could take him right. at nine overall. But I'm I'm curious because it's regarded as such a bad draft class, are teams that need a quarterback, are they gonna maybe pass on it and be like, All right, how do we get a stopgap? How do we get how Ryan get, Fitzpatrick. How do we get Mar- Marcus Ryan Mariota. Fitzpatrick it will be available. Right, Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Like, how do we get a guy that can come in and and you know not be terrible, but right. set us up to where more than likely we're drafting a quarterback the following right. season when the class is supposed to be better. Andrew Dalton. God, he is still in the league, isn't he? Yeah. How old is Andy Dalton? Thirty-four. Man, that is not that old. Tyrod Taylor. Thirty-two. There are okay. guys out there. There Cam are, st- Newton. There are st- Newton. He is bad. There are stopgap options. Oh, yes. You do not have to draft a quarterback. How would you like Tyrod Taylor to be competing? Mitchell against Trubisky. Oh boy. Oh boy. All 27. right. 27. 
Here we go. We got tickets to go see Garth Brooks, the one-man show coming to Park MGM February 4th and 5th. You can buy tickets to Ticketmaster, but we got a pair for you to win right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 9 at 702-364-1100. If he goes to Denver, he's the third-best quarterback in that division. You're going to put him in Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? I'm not. I'm going to tell you why I won't do that. All right? Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. But 10 years ago, I put him in there, but not now. Okay? He's much older. He's an MVP. No, he's MVP. But, Bart, let's look at the numbers. All right? When his line protects him, in other words, they win every one of their matchups. Aaron Rodgers is by far and away the number one quarterback in the league. All right? He threw 31 touchdown passes in one interception when his offensive line won their matchups. When they didn't win their matchups, he's 26 in the league. So if one guy misses, he's 26 in the league. You're locked in the press box. It's like I almost agree with Rex Ryan, which makes me think I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't agree he'd be the second best quarterback in the division. or the th- I don't agree he'd be the third best. I think he'd be the second best. I might still take Herbert some of the time. But just because I don't like I don't think Herbert is going to make me as the coach or me as the GM have to answer incredibly stupid questions. But his premise is still correct that why would you go to Denver where you might be the third best team, regardless of quarterback, but like the Broncos with Aaron Rodgers, probably better than the Chargers, but you still are like not the best team in the division and you're fighting for second, which means you might be fighting for a wild card. So he needs to go to Tennessee. Yes, or or like the Saints. Slash Buccaneers, slash Panthers. Well, the Falcons have Matt Ryan and like $100 million left. But the NFC South, if Brady retires, is, oh, my God, all these teams suck. The AFC South, oh, my God, all these teams suck. So, yes. Wow, the Colts would be really good. It would, yeah. Uh, do you want to live in Indy, though? He doesn't live in Green Bay now. That's fair. That's he did literally think Indy's probably an upgrade. You're, it's a good point. Yeah, he can go anywhere and it's going to be an upgrade, except maybe Buffalo because it's colder there. Yeah, but I also think Buffalo is probably pretty happy with their situation. That's true. All right. You got you got dumb questions for me? Yes. Yes, I do. I have some some dumb questions. Um, this is from Roy Wood Jr., the comedian that I assume you've never heard of. Nope. On Twitter. Overtime solutions for all sports. I want to hear what you think about them. We will go through them one at a time. Baseball. Home run derby. But between bad players. See, that? I think that was... Uh, I, I think you have to... The other team gets to pick. Okay. Who you're... Who, and it can be anyone on the team, including the manager. We're going to be there a long time. I know. Who's pitching? Like, uh, I assume the team batting gets to choose the pitcher since it's home run derby. derby. Yeah. Uh, somebody's dad. How about whoever how about? whoever has a dad in the stands <laughs> that particular game? No, that 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 decides who hits, too. <laughs> All right. You can only pick somebody whose dad is at the game. I just that was just my favorite quote unquote controversy was when was it Bryce Harper had his yes. dad thrown everybody's yes. like he curved it it's a home run derby of course. no I thought the controversy was he was throwing too fast 
Oh, okay. that you were that they used to. I think they got rid of it, but they used to have a rule that you had to wait for the ball to land before you oh, could throw the okay. next one. And I think the controversy was Bryce Harper's dad was just just a pitching machine, just every four <laughs> seconds firing one in there. It's like, of course, yeah, it's cheating. All right, basketball, sudden death free throws. I don't like free throws. They're kind of boring. Yeah, I actually, I think you were right all along and just the Elam ending basically prevents overtime, right? It does, it does, because you have to, yeah, Elam ending prevents overtime. But until we get there, I'd rather do a dunk contest. Leave it subjective to some judges. Oh, man. That's <laughs> Could have wind up with It'd be a complete nightmare, but it'd be fascinating. I mean, a free throw that's no fun. Like free throws are boring. The only time free throws are fun is when Giannis takes too long to shoot them. The only time free throws are fun is when the when, guy doesn't the, shoot them. That's when they're fun. So I don't or or when the guy purposely misses because Steven Adams one time purposely missed so that Russell Westbrook could yes. get a triple double. Yes. Um, I would be in favor of pulling a fan of each team out of the crowd and the first one to make a half court shot wins. Okay. So it's like every everybody's fun halftime show now decides the the winner of the game. All right. Soccer, golden goal. I think we all Oh Yeah. I mean okay. that's all right. Well, I'm just they trying to get do through that these already, but okay. Hockey, a fight. Once again, the other team gets to pick who's fighting who. Here's, here's the problem: Are we judging this like boxing, where we have to have judges? Because you well, don't always have clear winners in hockey. No, fights. it is until knockout. Oh, that's a little dangerous. Okay, if we're ignoring player safety, I'm all on board for this. I don't think we're going to go for it because player safety it might be important, but I'm all on board for that. Yeah, fight until somebody's knocked out. All high school and youth sports. Coaches fight. Yes, absolutely. 100%. A coach fight is very important in high school sports. And finally, the NFL, you put 10 minutes on the clock, and after every single minute counts down, each team loses a player. <laughs> so with one minute left, it's one-on-one -on -one football. So wait, do you have to put, like, You 11, put 11 guys out. But they, have to be like, but they have to be like half offense, half defense, because... Right. You're going to get, you'll probably have to put your punter out there too. If you want, I mean, if you, no, because we're not punting. <sighs> if I, uh, and then the big question is who's the first person you take off? It's like, well, we might, we might wind up back with the ball. So, uh, linebacker, get off there. Yeah. Yeah. Linebackers go early. Like your left guard, right guard's got to go pretty early. Like you're going to be down to a three man offensive line pretty soon. That would be a lot of fun. Like you're hoping to get your final two or your quarterback and wide receiver when you have the ball. But if you accidentally don't have the ball and now Patrick Mahomes is playing safety, uh-oh. <laughs>